Dave, those of you that are watching us online, uh, we know we're on uh, delay to Arizona. Uh, Wanda watches us and she's about an hour behind us. And uh, but she still seems like, I guess, well, I guess it's live to her, but she wakes up at early, early to watch us. But uh, so we're broadcast all over the United States. We're just glad you're with us this morning. Uh, we're starting a new series for the next couple of weeks called Greater Reward. And this week we're going to be talking about, you know, you may be happy in your life, but you know what? We always have something that we want to change. Whether we want to, you know, have more energy or get out of debt, you know, pay off some bills, we want a better marriage. Um, I want to, any of those things will, will fit into this thing, this, this sermon this morning, but I want to really focus it more about our spiritual relationship with God. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, I recognize that I need God in my life. So I pray, I say, God, forgive me of my sins, and that's it. Now I have a relationship with God. We are true. You do have a relationship with God. But there's way more out there than just that simple prayer. Because see, it starts you on a path. It starts you on a journey with a relationship. Easy way to relate it. Those of you that are married, those of you that are dated, whatever. When you met, you met. Okay? Those of you that are married can understand this a little bit more. Relationship didn't stop when you met. The relationship kept going. It started growing. You know, yeah, after one week, it might have been easy to say, hey, you know what, I don't want to see you anymore. But then you get a year down the road, and things happen. It evolves. It gets deeper. You get into engagements. You get into marriages. And you get into houses. You get into kids. And their relationship just keeps getting deeper, 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 deeper. And also deeper in depth. But everything gets deeper in the relationship. You get to know the person, what they like, what they dislike, and sometimes you push the buttons and do what they don't like just because you want to do that. We shouldn't do that, but we do that. But it's a relationship, and a relationship with God is no different. When you meet and you say, God, forgive me of my sins, that's the surface level. And it needs to grow deeper and stronger. Sometimes in life, you feel out of control. That's where this deeper relationship comes in. Because he can stabilize the situation around you. He changes you from the inside out. He evolves you. You get emotionally <coughs> connected to him. And you get deeper and deeper and deeper. The problem is, is so many people, there are so many people in churches right now this morning that are still on that service level. They've been in that, that connected stage of God forgive me of my sins a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. They're still in that level. They've never grown past that stage. How long do you think you would be married if you never went beyond the first stage in life? You wouldn't be. And it just comes in over time. But people believe that this is good enough for me. It's 
not good enough for God. He wants something deeper in our lives. And sometimes we try to manufacture things. We try to set goals. And it's kind of like what we're going to be talking about this morning. We set goals. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to read you know, a chapter of my Bible. I'm going to take 10 or 15 minutes and pray. And I'm going to reach out to God. And I'm going to do that every morning. And then it fades away. We try to manufacture it on our own. But it's not good enough to manufacture on us. We've got to do our part, but we've got to add something else into this. And we get into a life where we start to look at our life and say, there's things in my life I need to change. But they're so deep-rooted in us, it's really hard to do. And this is what Paul talks about in Romans. In Romans uh, chapter 7, he says this, and, and this verse makes me feel better about my life. And it should for you too. I don't understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I do the things I don't want to do, do the things that just cause me pain, do the things that make me feel separated from God. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Sometimes in life you feel out of control. You're trying to, trying to get somewhere. You're trying to get to that deeper relationship with God. But it just feels like you're spinning your wheels. You're not getting anywhere. So this morning I want to talk about something that's got a bad rap. And it's called discipline. We're all disciplined in some way. We are. We, you know, people don't like me. I, I, I don't like. To, I like to be free and do what I want. But we're disciplined. We're we're sometimes disciplined in the wrong way. Sometimes we're disciplined in a good way. You walk, wake up in the morning. I'll tell you, like you wake up in the morning, the alarm clock rings, and you go through all your ten different steps in the morning till you get your whole pot of coffee down. And those are all disciplines. You've got yourself over time disciplined in that area. But sometimes we have bad disciplines too. We like to maybe sit in front of the TV for a long period of time. And we dream about being feeling better. But we don't do nothing about it. So discipline, the definition is simply this. It's a simple uh, definition. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. That's, I think, a very simple definition. And we fall into that, what we want now. We're in a society right now where we want everything now. We want even the good things, the things that are hard to get, we want them now. Most of us want similar things. We have goals, we have desires. But a lot of times you see people, they have different results. Some people can do things that we just can't do, and we want to get there. When we realize they have disciplines in their life to get them to that place. Most of us want a good marriage. Most of us don't want to be divorced three times before we're 40. We want to be healthy. We want to be able to, how many of you say, I, I want to get to the point where, you know what, I climb the stairs and I don't feel winded. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it's been, it's been horrible. I feel, um, I seen someone posted somewhere that, you know what, I knew one day I was going to get older, I just didn't think it was going to be this soon. You know? 
I get winded going up, up flights of stairs. We go to Top Golf at uh, work occasionally, and it's like the third story up, and you've got to climb up these stairs and run. It's like these stairs are never going to end. I'm not going to be the weekly and go on the elevator, you know, because I got to keep up my image. But by the time I get to the top of the stairs, I'm like, I don't golfing. smoke. I don't smoke. But we want to be healthy. We want to be strong financially. We want to give generously. We want to help people out. We want to be kind. We don't want to live from paycheck to paycheck. Who says, hey, you know what? In the next 10 years, my goal is to file bankruptcy. Donald Trump. <laughs> but, but that's not most of our goals. But you see people, we all have the same kind of goals and stuff like that, but we have different success levels. Here's something we need to understand. Desire does not determine where you become or who you become. Desire does not determine who you become. Disciplines determine who you become. Same thing, desires don't determine what you do. Disciplines determine what you do. You're hoping for a better life, but the results are not there. You need deeper commitment, deeper discipline. Habits that honor God bring a better life. Why is it that we want perhaps to be more disciplined, but we end up failing? Why do we end up failing? Most of it is simply short. Our willpower sucks. Amen. It does. It sucks. I shouldn't say it sucks. Sorry, I can't even say it because it's live. It's captured on video, and it's done. It's permanently a record. But it's okay. Willpower is like a muscle, and what happens when you work that muscle too hard? It gets tired, and it gives out. I've used this analogy before, and I love this analogy. You're at work, and you're right by the table out there, put it that way, every Sunday morning. You're grabbing a cup of coffee, and you're trying to get healthy, and you see two dozen worth of donuts sitting there. <laughs> and you sit there, and you see the one you like, the Boston Cream. Oh, my favorite. But I'm trying to eat better, I'm trying to live better, I'm trying to get healthy. And you walk by it, you look at it, you touch it, now it's yours. <laughs> you touch it, but you smell it. I only smell it, there's no calories in smelling it, right? No calories in smelling it, so I can smell it. You know what? Then you walk by it a few times, and then you go, well, you know what? I'll eat half of it. So you eat half of it. Then you come back after church and go, you know what? I'll eat the other half. You know, I spread it over a couple of hours, it's not as bad, right? It's still one donut. Still the same amount of calories, no matter whether you ate half before and half an hour later. But that's the way willpower works. It just kind of fades away over time. Christians are supposed to be good. We're not supposed to be bad. We're supposed to have this willpower. We're supposed to be strong and courageous. We're supposed to pray for people. We're supposed to read our Bible. We're not supposed to cheat. We're not supposed to lie. We're not supposed to steal. We're not supposed to be caring. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out that that analogy. Me and Cindy were talking yesterday, and it's like, where did this term Karen from come from? And I thought it came from. Did it come from the the lion thing, Tiger King? Oh no, no. That's Carol. That's Carol, Carol. Baskin. Yeah. Yeah. 
and we're trying to figure out where the term actually came from, caring. And she's like, what does that actually mean? And I'm like, the people sticking their nose in places that doesn't belong. You know, stuff like that. And we don't need to be caring as Christians, but a lot of times we are. We, we try to live a good life, and it gets overwhelming, and our what? Our willpower gives away. We took it, we smoked it, we touched it, we clicked it, we bought it, we ate the whole thing. Mm -hmm. We all wind up there. Have you ever noticed that before you fail, before you fail, before you, before your willpower gives out, the words coming through your brain, the, 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 the things that happen that says, hey, you know what? It's no big deal. It's just this one only hurting you. Everybody else does it. Those words are from the person who's fighting against that And isn't it crazy? He plays everything down at the beginning. It's all right. It's just this one time. It's no big
want to get up early and you do it for one or two or three days and then the willpower sets in, you hit the snooze button, you feel guilty, I'm failing God, I'm a bad person, I will never ever change. Over and over. So as you start to think, something's not working in my life. I must be missing something. The actual thing is, you're not missing something, you're missing someone. Paul says in Romans 7, 24, 25, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who can change me? Who can help me be different? Who can change me from the inside out? We're talking about behave, not behavior modification, but spiritual transformation. We're not talking about changing our habits. We're talking about spiritually changing us from the inside out. This is what where God wants us to get deeper. This is what I was talking about earlier. Getting deeper in God. Not just the simple God forgive me of my sins. I'm set. I can go do what I want to do. God has something for your life. But you will never know it until you're spiritually transformed. So you get a mind that identifies with God on who I am in Christ. Your spiritual identity. Uh, the devil wants you to believe that you are what you did. And God wants you to believe that you are his child. You are set apart to live a different life. That's why so many times churches are full of people who live just like the world outside. And they want to go to churches that are huge so they can blend in, they can move in, move out, but they don't have to be spiritually changed. They don't want to be spiritually challenged. They want to just go on life and gain their, their finances, gain their uh, house, their two and a half kids, their pick and fences, their puppies, and live that life where they're not spiritually challenged. They don't want to be transformed. And God says, look, I accepted you where you are. I came to meet you in the place, into the mess that you're in. But I do not want you to stay there. I've come with a purpose. I've come to change your life, to give you fullness in your life. You will not be worrying about what the neighbor does. You'll be worrying about your own and how do you do that? You do that through the power of the Spirit. The Spirit empowers you to choose what you want most. The Spirit empowers you to choose what you want most. The long distance thing, the thing that is hard to get to, that you keep failing, the spiritual depth, the uh, spiritual transformation. The, the Holy Spirit empowers you to do that over what you want now. And Paul, uh, Paul says in Galatians, he says this. So I walk by the Spirit, and oh, say, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, flesh is the use of the word sarks, which is not the flesh that we always think about, the, the skin, the flesh and bones, but it's the spiritual nature that, that, we're, that we're in. And Paul says later in Philippians, he says, we do not put any confidence in this flesh. In other words, we don't put confidence in the willpower that we have. We put our confidence 
in the Holy Spirit. And when he's uh, talking about the Spirit, uh, he says, walk in the Spirit. And that word is, and I know I'm going to butcher this, pyrpato, which means continually regular action. Continual regular action. When you walk by the Spirit, it's not one time a bet. It's putting one foot in front of the other. That's why the analogies of walking down a path, Paul uses, you know, where we're walking towards God. And it's a one step after other. When you go on a walk, you don't step one time. You step thousands of times. You know, we, uh, uh, on your phones, you know, your phones will actually track your steps. And you'll find out how many steps you actually walk. You know, on an average day, you probably walk anywhere between five to 7,000 steps. <laughs> That's a that lot of walking. You're not going to, if you took one step, you're not going to get anywhere. But when you walk five to 7,000 steps, in a day, you realize how far you're actually walking. And this is what he's talking about, a step by step. We walk in the spirit. We walk in, in his presence every day. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Good things don't happen overnight. Unless you win the lottery, of course. But that's about the only time. No one becomes rich overnight. No, no one becomes a deep theologian or has a uh, spiritual depth, that transformation in their life overnight. If you talk to someone and you see somebody that is like that, you, you say, hey, you know what, I want to be spiritually like them. And you sit down and you talk to them and you'll realize that they've walked with God for many years. They've taken step after step after step. You know, one foot in front of the other. We were talking about the other day. Was it yesterday? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you want, all they want to watch Christmas stories <laughs> but it takes time, it takes faithful steps to get from one place to the other we walk in the spirit, the successions of the steps and eventually what happens is you realize you're starting a habit yes every once in a while you're going to stop a step and what happens when you're walking along, taking a, a leisurely walk, and you walk along, and all of a sudden you step into a pothole or a groundhog hole or wherever you're at. Depends on if you're in my backyard or not. But you step into a hole. Those things in life are always going to happen to you. But what you do is you pick your foot up and keep continually stepping. You're going to have problems in life. You're going to have shakeups. You're going to have bad days. But you, and you're going to mess up. You're going to fall off the wagon. You're going to make the mistake. But you pick up and you take the next step. What do you want most? A rich spiritual legacy? You want financial freedom? A meaningful, meaningful ministry? The greater rewards never happen overnight. They take over a long period of time. And eventually what happens is you will wake up one day and you'll realize some things, which I'm going to call, I belong to Jesus. And it's another form. You depend on the Spirit daily. It fills your faith. When things happen in your life and you see God moving in your life, your faith grows. 
empowers you to act right. When you see things in it and you feel things in your life, you realize that you not are not alone in life. That God is with you. You get closer to God, and you start depending on God even more. It's not shame-driven, but spirit-led. Not trying to control myself or my flesh, but depending on God to let him to start help changing me from the inside out. And you become spiritually identified with God. And you realize that you are his chosen child. You start doing things right. You start listening to him more. You start responding and obeying. You know, if you look at most of the world today, almost everybody, including church people, have addictions. They might be very simple. Some of them go, that's not really addiction. You know, how you eat is not really addiction. Yes, it is. When you sit there late at night and you're watching TV and you know there's a box of Oreos because grandbabies like Oreos. And you know there's Oreos in the cabinet. And you want them and you eat them. Well, that's not an addiction. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Because so I sit there and go, you know what? I don't need these Oreos. I don't need the cholesterol. I'm already on cholesterol medication. And I don't need them. But what do I want? I want the instant gratification of eating an Oreo. That is an addiction. Oh, well, that's something simple. Well, no. You know what? That can kill me. That could kill me. Eating an Oreo? Yeah. It can lead on. I have that question. I'm already clogging my heart. And now I'm doing it more. Some of it's more. Some of it's generational. I'm not talking about mine, but sometimes we have people that you see things in your life, and you realize you see it in your dad's or your mom's life, or your grandma and your grandpa's life. Mm -hmm. Those are generational, they can be called generational curses, but they're also generational addictions. Maybe it's can't control my spending. And you realize that your parents couldn't control them either. Or maybe it's uh, anger. And, and you're, you're getting angry in situations and you notice that your parents did the same thing, your grandparents did the same thing. There's lots of things it can be. I mean, overeating, spending, how you treat other people. There's so many things. And it's so easy in this world, in this time, to be addicted. Because we all have that gene in our body. The addiction gene. Sometimes it's alcohol. Sometimes it's drugs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's harder stuff. We all have it. And the dangerous addiction is, a, is a, something we have a gene inside of us. But God came, Jesus came to break those addictions, to change us, to transform us, that our willpower will never change us. Because we want to change, we'll never change it. We have to rely on God. Here's a little secret. If you're a Christian, 
Do you know self-control is a fruit of the Spirit? And what do we say about fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5 says, But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We always like, <laughs> right there at the end, period, we're done. It just kind of comes out, we think about the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness. We think about those, those virtues because those are nice. Those are easy. Yeah, sometimes they're easy. Sometimes it's hard to love someone. Sometimes it is. Sometimes what takes the self-control. But but we we gloss over you know the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness are kind of like all the all to somebody else. Like we should love someone. We should be patient with them. We should be kind to them. We should understand what they're saying. Self-control, though, is like the only one that is internal. It's the only one that is set for me. The other ones are always set to somebody else. It's hard to do self-control. Look around the world. We are a group of people that are out Self-control is the hardest thing. We just, I think every time I read it, we just kind of gloss over self-control, but it is a fruit of the Spirit. When you're walking with the Spirit, pray for self-control. Yes, you're going to be put in situations where you have to try self-control. You have to try. And that's where you sit down and go, God, I know the Oreos are in there. But I want to be able to see my grandbabies for a while. Something that's hit me this week. If you think of eating six Oreos, it's not eating six Oreos. It's eating a whole strip of Oreos. <laughs> and that's how much large is in the center of that Oreo? When you start to when you get in the situation of the now, rather than what you want in the future, I'm, I'm going, I'm gaining this is where I want to go, but this is, I can have instant gratification now. But I know it's not good for me. Take a moment and ask God for self. What do you want most in life? I know what God wants. God wants me to be spiritually weak. He just doesn't want me to be the Sadducee and the Pharisee who look at only certain things in my life. He wants me to encounter him daily, moment by moment. He says, pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? It means you keep in a certain state that you're aware of God every moment. So when the things pop up, and that person is ready to go boom at you, and they do, where's my self-control? My self-control is, God, keep me calm. Keep me through this situation. 
just not what I want now, but what I want in the future. And the Spirit will help you get to that point in your life. But it's a daily, daily walk. Maybe it starts today. It's easy on a Sunday morning in the middle of a church service. But it's very hard on a Tuesday morning when you just want to jump down someone's throat. It's a daily walk with the Spirit. How to start your day every day with God. Whether it's driving along in the car, having a cup of coffee at the table, out on the back porch, wherever it is, before a meeting, take a moment and say, God, help me be who you want. Father, I know we've got so many things going on in our life, and we've made so many mistakes. We, if we're honest with ourselves, we're horrible people. We're horrible Christians. righteous God, and our standard should be you, not the person sitting next to us, around us, or the people we know that are Christians in our lives. I think sometimes that's how you, at least I know how you show me, when I see something that's wrong in my life. I don't look at other people. I look to you. And God, help us do that. Help us draw to a deeper level with you that it's just not simply I've been forgiven and I know my name is written down in glory. That you want something from us. You want community. want worship from us. You want to spend time with us. And when we spend time with you, we get changed. Those of us that are married, especially for a long time, will know we're not the same person we were 20, 30 years ago. We are a different person because of our spouses. You want to be our spouse. We are your bride. You wrote a whole book about it in your Bible. How the church, how the believer is your bride.
starts to look like. It starts to 